This is the future of finance by Motive Labs. Hello, welcome to the future of finance, the Motive Labs podcast where we live and breathe the next generation of financial technology. Good afternoon or good morning. I am joined today by Christoph Kanneberger, a managing partner at Apex. Welcome, Christoph. Thank you, Sam. Thanks for having me. It's my absolute pleasure. And I'm going to warn the listeners that this is going to be one of those podcasts that need a pen ready because it's going to be fast and punchy because <laughs> this is very important. But more importantly, you've got to catch a flight to Vienna. So we're going <laughs> to make it quick. So let's talk about your career and we'll kind of crescendo the questions up to Apex. You began your career in banking, JP Morgan, UBS. I think if memory serves me correct. And then you founded Apex Ventures and you had a stint as well as a CFO of a fairly large company, I think. That's true. So let's start with the backdrop. What have you done in your career? What led you up to that day you decided to start Apex? You know, it was really the the passion of of working with young, gifted founders. So for us, uh, the opportunity we saw was less financially driven, let's put it this way, than um, finding a job that is really rewarding. You know, it's great to work with those founding uh, partners of young startups. And that's why we really decided to set Apex Ventures up. Speaking of gifted founders, that actually is what brought us together. We have in our space here where we're actually recording from in London right now, a number of different firms that we've admired in the industry that we wanted to reside alongside us, people Mm -hmm. that we thought we could learn something Mm -hmm. from. And some of those gifted founders actually brought us together. You invested recently, I believe, in Lenflow. Yeah. I hope it's public knowledge. It's about to be. It is. It is. (laughs) Um, So maybe you could tell us a little bit about what drove that investment, how you originated it, and why you wanted to be alongside these Mm -hmm. guys. You know, we got introduced to Landflow in 2017 already by one of our portfolio companies. Both teams at that time participated in an accelerator program in Dubai. That's where they got to know each other. So uh, the CTO of this other portfolio companies told us about Landflow and and we met the team. And, you know, first of all, a personal referral is always something good. And um, I was really impressed by the three founders and we at Apex, you know, we, we call ourselves a deep tech fund. So we are always interested in enabling novel technologies. And these guys, um, they are able to serve the SME market by using the blockchain. But they never, you know, highlighted the fact that they are using the blockchain. It was just the technology underneath their business model. And I was really impressed by the fact that they really used it for the right reason, mm. not as a marketing argument, but really because it enables them to to cater to a client segment banks cannot cater to. And that's basically the reason why we got so much interested in them and which led us to an investment a couple of years later. <laughs> awesome. I love that. That's a lot of due diligence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a good thing, though, and, and particularly emerging positively the other side. So we know this space well. We play in a slightly different end of the investment management spectrum mm-hmm. or a stage or two further down. Yeah. But the whole industry is at an inflection point, the alternative investment yeah. management industry. Our belief, or certainly our USP, is more around value creation yeah. and being sector-specific. Mm-hmm. You've already told us you're a deep tech fund. What's your mandate? 
what's your strategy and what's your USP in Apex Ventures? Yeah. So basically, first, as I mentioned, we are not interested in in the next pizza delivery app. That's something we wouldn't invest into. We really look out for enabling novel technology, which for the reason it makes a business model defendable against bigger competitors. Second, we do not consider ourselves being a pure investment vehicle. We call us a company builder meaning that we really try to support and assist those founder teams as much as we can over a variety of tasks, helping them to raise the next financing round, helping them fine-tuning their, their business strategy, their pricing model, things like that. So those two things are really what Apex stands for. Our mandate is we are an early-stage investor, we need an MVP to be in place, minimum viable product. We think that we cannot contribute a lot prior to that MVP because it's the R&D phase. We can contribute a lot when it comes to the go-to-market, to the commercial aspects of the business, the rollout, and that's where we come into play. Okay, and, and in terms of sector? You know, in the beginning, we defined a couple of verticals mostly related to our personal backgrounds. For example, I'm personally very interested in, in fintech. But then it turned out that the thing all of our companies had in common is the technological aspect. So the common thing is the deep tech. <laughs> and so we are not so much focused on particular verticals. But the only restriction is that we need to understand what we are doing. We need to understand the business model. We need to understand. We do have to have some experience with the markets they're operating in. So we would not invest into something where there's a great technology, but we do not have any kind of experience with the market, for example. And then in terms of ticket size, what's the range? We The round we get involved is usually the pre-Series A. Mm -hmm. So we're usually the first institutional financial investor after friends and families and business angels and so on. And there the ticket size is roughly half a million, but we always mentally put aside at least another million for the Series A because we think it's really important that we, you know, when the startup is going into the next financing round, uh, trying to raise capital, if there's one investor from the previous round committing capital already, then it's a very strong sign to the market. And that's something where we can help, where we can help attract other investors then to the Series A. And that's something we consider to be one of our things where we can help. Very cool. And then I guess for those listening, we've got a pretty broad listenership from executives to entrepreneurs to school kids. If people want to pitch to Apex, what's the best way to get it? And, and I ask this kind of with a back to front view because origination is a key skill for any investment management firm with yeah. this whole. How are you originating and how do you want people to get in touch with yes. you if they've got something yes. appropriate? Please don't use an advisor, you know, especially in the early stage. It's ridiculous if a founder, if a CEO doesn't dare to talk to his investors. I think he has to sell his company also to the investors. So that's why I usually don't open any email coming from an advisor. Then please try to find out something about the, the investment strategy of the fund you're applying to. You know, it doesn't make sense. I mean, we are very much focusing on B2B businesses, much more than B2C. So if you're a great B2C business and you do not have any kind of impressive technology, it probably doesn't make sense to apply to Apex. 
it's not only a waste of time from our point of view, but also from the uh, startup's point of view. And uh, for that reason, I think it's very important to, prior to applying, get informed. And then, of course, we very much appreciate if we can get to know each other in person rather soon. So we don't okay. like to to have a series of conference calls and, and things like that. We think there's still a very important element in the whole process that the people involved get along personally very well. Very yeah, well. I think some of the points you've hit on definitely strike a chord and, and I'm sure will with some of our investment and focused listeners, but understanding who you're asking for support and capital from because capital isn't just capital, right? Every fund has their own strategy that they want to apply to a business. Have you heard of Brain Food? It's our weekly newsletter and it comes out every Sunday morning. It's packed with the best content that we come across on financial services and technology. It contains quotes, articles, events, and it showcases rising fintechs and people in our industry that inspire us. You can subscribe at motivepartners.com. You've invested across a ton of sectors, as you've said, all with the, the sort of deep tech angle, which I love because every industry is now a fusion industry as it intersects with technology. And I know that there are some that take your fancy more than others. I think in your case, particularly, you have a passion for financial services and fintech. What are some of the big emerging trends that you're seeing in that industry? First of all, I think going forward, we will see a collaboration Banks will not be gone. Banks will still be around. And I think it will depend on the on the use case, on the business application, whether you go as a, being a client, whether you face or you apply to a fintech or a big bank. If you want to have a bank account in a traditional way with a big bank or with a small fintech. Mm. I think it depends on your personal situation and on many circumstances. And so I think there's enough space for both of yeah. them. The trends I see is I think fintechs have been focusing on the retail part of the business, payments, things like that, much more than, let's say, the B2B, the corporate banking. I think, for example, capital markets, there are many use cases where the blockchain would be ideal for securitization, things like that, where it's pretty much the same as tokenization. So I think capital markets are really ripe for disruption. That's basically it. And very interesting. We've got a firm that I'm very, very passionate about in the capital market space. A little bit beyond the stage you'd invest in, but doing amazing things, you know, helping prevent a systemic fragility in the portfolio risk compression space. Mm. It's a fascinating, fascinating yeah. area. The SME space is currently something that's a hot topic. It always surprises me how long it takes an industry to cotton on to a, a requirement. Mm. And I think it's just because that we're only just sort of catching up with ourselves. But the SME market segment has been underserved for yeah. decades. Yeah. And we've been way too focused on the retail space. Now, that might be because the SME segment was hard to, to make work from a business model perspective and to service certainly the low value, high volume clients. What are the interesting areas that you're seeing in the SME space that you guys are starting to dig into? It's really about the refinancing side of SMEs. As you said, they demand a lot of service, but they, from a bank point of view, are not a very attractive client as they cannot really pay for that service. So it's all about efficiency. As we know, banks are not that efficient. There's still very archaic processes where many people get involved. That's a great example where technology can help. That's what the Landflow guys are doing. They're using the, the blockchain, as I mentioned, to tackle this problem. 
So it's really about help those SME businesses to grow again, to get the opportunity at all to grow again by opening up alternative refinancing sources and so to free up working capital. Because in here in Europe, at least, the SME market is much bigger than the, the large corporates and the enterprises. So in total, it's amounting for, I think, two-thirds of our entire economy. So if you can help those companies to grow, then it's a big boost for the entire economy in Europe. That's what we believe in. And I totally agree with your, your thesis there. There's a, another angle to the thesis, which is, you know, you're trying to support the long tail of the industry, the 99% yeah. of companies in the UK, the SMEs. And then you've got the middle stand, the yeah. thousand, thousand person companies type model. One of the things that's been neglected, I think, over time has been the employee. The fact that in the UK, we pay our employees every 30 days mm. gave birth to the payday yeah. loan industry, which we then overregulated when it became... Yeah. Wonga, I'm probably not allowed to say that, but <laughs> I said it. And so uh, what we ended up finding was that fintechs didn't go out there and address the problem that was for the consumer. They went out there and addressed other problems. And the employee, I think, has deserved a much, much better product. Now, there's firms out there that are disrupting payroll, and they're doing it on behalf of the SME, which I think is a very, very powerful, powerful move. And paying the consumer as they earn which then in turn helps them not take loans. It helps fight all sorts of issues like savings and the pension crisis that we're about to face. It helps people budget better. And I think there's an amazing move, particularly in that industry, also towards a B2B model as well, yeah. where banks could offer those solutions. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, the SME space is super exciting. Yeah, super. And it opens up a lot of B2B2C models as well. Absolutely. Yeah. We've got limited time. I don't want you to miss your flight. If I get blamed for that, you're never going to come back <laughs> and see me. So we'll ask just a couple more. You've had a, an exciting career. You spend your time with exciting people, with gifted entrepreneurs. You, you're really, um, I guess, living your fullest life as a professional and an entrepreneur. If you look back, what are some of the things that you would wish you'd been told? Mm -hmm. And what are some of the best lessons that you've learned? I think it's important to always stay positive, you know. You have to get used to all the no's and to people who are going to tell you you will not be able to make it and things like that. You have to stay positive. You have to look forward instead of back. You have to find a solution for the problem instead of finding a scapegoat. It's really about mental strength. And on the other hand, I think it's important that you strike a balance between your dreams and some kind of realism. Mm -hmm, you, know, mm -hmm. you know, I think if you go tend to, to one or the other extreme, it probably won't work out. So I think your aspirations and your goals have to be aspirational, ambitious, but they have to be realistic as well at the same time. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Being thick-skinned and being positive. It's all about momentum, right? You've yeah. got to keep putting one foot in front of the other. Thank you. And a final question is, what's your vision for Apex Ventures over the next five years? Where do you want to be? We really hope that some of our teams will be able to make their dreams come true, to maybe sell their companies, to grow their companies. And, and that's what's important to us. Thank you. And, and then one final question, because I like to ask investors this question. Um, What's the best investment you never made? Yeah, is there a miss of your career so far that you're like, that was the one, but for whatever reason, it's not one you did? There are probably many, but uh, for me, it's a rule that you never, you know, it doesn't make sense to to spend a lot of time thinking about these um, 
And also, you know, it's the same like you sell something at 5x and then it turns out you could have sold it at 10x as well. Never mind. Be grateful for what you've got. And as I told you, I would want rather to look forward than to look back on what I missed. That's a great way to look at it. I, I had a conversation with a very mature venture capitalist not so long ago and he told me Microsoft. So that was that was not so good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much indeed, Christoph. It's uh, such you. a pleasure to see you, Thank such you, a pleasure Sam. to have you here and we look forward to welcoming you back soon. Thank you, Sam. Thank it was you. a pleasure. Thank you for your time and insights. And thank you very much for tuning in. I'm Sam. See you next time. The information contained in this podcast is intended for discussion purposes only. It is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation for the purchase or sale of a security or any services of motor partners. All investing involves risk, and there is no guarantee that past performance will be indicative of future results. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are as of the date of recording, reflect the views and opinions of the persons expressing them, and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of motive partners. Motive partners makes no representations or warranties as to the accuracy, reliability, or completeness of any information provided, and undertakes no obligation to update, amend, or clarify the information in the podcast, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. Any securities, transactions, or holdings discussed may not represent investments made by motive partners. It should not be assumed that securities, transactions, or holdings discussed, if any, were or will be profitable, or that the recommendations or decisions made in the future will be similar, or will equal the performance of the securities, transactions, or holdings discussed herein. This podcast may contain forward-looking statements that are based on beliefs, assumptions, current expectations, estimates, and predictions about the financial industry the economy, motive partners or motive partners investments. Nothing in the podcast should be construed or relied upon as investment, legal, accounting, tax or other professional advice or in connection with any offer or sale of securities.